what the fuck with the with caps lock <laughs> we just spent what like over 2k on black friday queries during july uh -huh. okay i gotta go to, to linkedin find another agency <laughs> like, i'm probably like this is the end of me you actually changed the lives of the business owners themselves yes. you are doing 30k a month like a small six-figure business and right now they are like a proper seven-figure business. That's pretty empowering for me to understand. Maybe even after three years, when you maybe at some point you can start losing or a purpose of doing yeah. the same other thing. Welcome to 360 Scale, a podcast for A-level entrepreneurs looking to scale their business beyond seven figures. Learn from those that have actually made it in the world of e-commerce with actionable steps you can apply right now. Yeah, so basically we decided to start a podcast. So um, usually most people, I don't know, not most people, but some kind of people uh, already saw that we've been doing the podcast, but ISIS were like the main lead there. And yeah, and we'll be trying to do this kind of on a weekly, bi-weekly basis just to provide you with some value and entertaining content uh, that you could watch on LinkedIn, on YouTube or whatever on Instagram. So yeah, so me, I'm Noah. I'm the CEO of the Candy Uh for scale can agency whatever we call it. of course our domain is kind of for scale but usually we call it kind agency and this is alex alex is the, nice to meet you guys yeah it's a head of performance in our agency uh i would like to put a label on him scale therapist like it's that that, that was my choice that was my choice <laughs> yeah that was his choice but uh this episode is like a purely intro one uh we're gonna be just discussing about how we got into the e-commerce uh at very very early age and i think that uh, I don't know, in marketing, in business, uh, especially when we talk about the brands, all the brands usually have a story. So we want to tell the story of our own, how basically we've started and uh, the funniest stories of the whole road along ahead. We made a lot of mistakes, I guess. Yeah. We, can, we can admit it. Yeah, most probably we'll talk about the mistakes and what we learn from them because the mistakes are like most of the times the fun ones and you can really relate to them. At the same time, those mistakes will lead to where we are at now, you know? So um, maybe it will be something useful. It's not going to be something, I don't know, we won't, won't be diving to something, I don't know, technically fundamentals or uh, how to build scaling campaigns. But we're just going to be doing um, pure storytelling and chit-chatting on this Saturday morning. And uh, I know where to start. So e-commerce, e-commerce is a pretty interesting thing. And uh, usually when I ask people why they got into the e-commerce, more or less, I get all this, like always the same answer. It's just basically make money online. When you graduate from school, you think, okay, where should I, I don't know, which university, which uh, subject I should study, blah, blah, blah. But for me, it was pretty simple. I Like uh, university, yeah, I've went to university. After that, I dropped out. But uh, I've started purely from... Um, just like a want to what was money. like what was the first thing that kind of brought you the idea of uh, e-commerce <laughs> that you know you can do it you can start doing it and uh, like uh, do you remember like those first weeks you know yeah. like when you know like okay i should start doing that and i'm gonna do that like well like i'm always was like, super friendly with the computers i like i've tended to spend a lot of time uh, and I was gaming in my like very teenage years and um, I always knew because I was also very into YouTube and my YouTube's algorithm kind of was 
like uh, popping like a lot of videos were popping how to make money online how to make money from drop shipping how to make money from amazon fba or whatever uh, or other type of shit affiliate marketing also so clickbang etc like all those bunch of videos and i used to watch it i always i don't know i was lazy ass a bit i could say at the same also i was doing sports so i was constantly constantly after like a long training sessions i was just like kind of usually procrastinating and i don't know doing games or w watching tv shows on netflix there was one summer when i was 17 when actually uh basically i during the summer uh holiday i i've worked all, quite constantly in my dad's uh dad's business my dad's business is like very very domestic business where he's basically doing um wholesale for construction elements construction elements for the like building like building the buildings or like constructing basically yeah, yeah. so and he had one product and he said that it would be nice to have a website and since i was sort of doing an internship of course it was like doing an internship in your dad's is kind of like <laughs> i don't know avoiding it's classic the yeah, yeah overcoming the system but uh it's a joke at that time i thought okay so i mean i'm grown up uh enough to actually start and uh, learning something so and i remember i had one of my friend who's the uh, software engineer and he was constantly talking about the shopify and shopify is a thing and i remember okay i type shopify what the fuck is shopify basically with the shopify it's a platform where you can build the websites and actually i don't know start your online business they provide everything they provide the whole backend solution for the checkout for the card and i saw okay so I just need to start like press sign up and just start building. And since that product, it's like not very, um, it, it were, and after I build the product, I needed, okay, so I now need the traffic, you know, I need traffic and, um, I've started to learn Google because Google at the time, especially for that particular product was, uh, at that, I don't, I thought that it was the most reliable traffic source because that product it's kind of it, because it was knives uh constructional knives industrial knives it's quite difficult to advertise on facebook because due to policies and it's like it can be seen as a gun yeah, yeah, yeah makes sense. a weapon you know uh and at the same time i knew that uh, for that product like people uh, that buy that product usually they are solution aware so basically they know that that product is this and they just google you know industrial knives i don't know knives for uh clothing uh, you know so they google particular things uh, and they are like trying to find the best solution on the google so i thought okay and then i am actually i remember uh um i needed to find the source where to learn google so i went to youtube i find uh, and then google and i find this book which I, I didn't remember particularly how it is called but it was like real one of the top selling books for to start to start google and then i remember even though chris our like old cool founder i've actually messaged him on instagram because he was starting to do his own podcast Kekareku, and i remember, uh, I remember there was one episode yeah there was one episode where he were talking they were talking about the google and i thought okay i need to message i said oh my god man it's an awesome podcast so it's very interesting can you recommend any google books and he gave me one and he gave me actually the same one that i was already like um 
uh, I've already found. And I was okay. So he ga- he gave me the social proof. Now I buy it. I so I bought the uh, that book and I started to do Google ads. And actually, it was pretty interesting. It was pretty interesting, and I was pretty much into it. And uh, I've managed to bring sales. I remember my first sale online. It was. I don't know. I've launched the campaign for three days. There were no sales. We were spending around 10 euros a day. Uh, and I remember on the Sunday, uh, mom made me breakfast, uh, pancakes for breakfast. I was eating breakfast. I took my laptop because I always like eat, uh, eat with the laptop and watch something. And I remember going to the Shopify and, oh, there's a sale, 36 bucks. I'm like, oh, that's Best morning. Cool. Yeah, that's mine. That's cool. So then I research, like, then I go f- went through the order, researched the guy. The guy was from the United States, and I remember, okay, so it actually works, you know, because it's pretty hard to, pretty hard to understand when you about the e-commerce that you actually can bring something, some, uh, someone to the website from the other country. I mean, it's not word of mouth, you know, when you recommend, but basically by doing a campaign, doing the advertising. So at that time, for me, it was pretty. Uh, eye-opening like you would say yeah but it was like um i thought that you need to be very good to to make it if you want to make it you need to be i don't know have two years experience and constantly failing so that was the thing that i don't know um maybe i was avoiding you know to learn a lot but after that i remember the first sale i was okay so it's possible it's like it's possible to do that and then i went deep uh of course the thing with the uh, that particular e-commerce, which was doing for my dad, it was like uh, I wasn't very like the product itself. Uh, it was wasn't very like uh, very scalable, and I it's uh, and the product uh, was I'm not like I wasn't so interested in the product, no, yeah. because it's too, like too industrial, too 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 too, too niche. I guess, yeah, yeah, too too niche, too, not not as scalable as yeah, you, yeah. you would want. And I remember, and that's where we're going to the story, how I met and how we started to do business with uh, current co-founder Istis. Uh, so he was going to the same high school. And I remember, so actually we played football, like in the football for American viewers, soccer. Um, <laughs> uh, so, and we and we knew each other, I don't know, from 14 years old, we knew each other because um, he was living nearby. And then um, I messaged him on Instagram because he was constantly putting stories that uh, either he's interested in dropshipping, either he's watching some kind of courses, either he's doing some kind of um, uh, business educational type of shit. So putting, I don't know, random information in the story and pretending that he's a guru or something like that. I remember, yeah. Yeah, And I actually like DM him, let's meet, let's talk and and let's... um, Let's exchange information and no knowledge. Of course, my knowledge was like, I don't know, at the lowest point ever. I was, I would say I had none knowledge and I actually wanted to meet him and just learn from him. So I met him um, in our neighborhood in the coffee shop and um, he started to talk about the Facebook ads and how Facebook ads work. He showed me the ads manager. He said that it's way more scalable than Google. He showed me all those type of tricks where you can, I don't know, it was kind of mind-blowing that you can ex- exclude purchases. Like the most mind-blowing... Use conversion thing. objectives. Yeah, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you Game bring changer. people that you br- uh, that wants to make a purchase. And I was like, wow, that's actually how it works. The algorithm is such like, it's so developed. Um, 
but the my the most mind blowing thing was that you can make look likes, and I was like, that's easy. I mean, that it's, crazy, yeah. it's money. It's money. I mean, you collect hundred purchases from the United States, and you make a look like, and you just scale out like the scale the shit out of it. And we were talking, we were talking, exchanging, uh, constantly exchanging information. Uh, and then I th- remember after that meet, I went home and I just bought Facebook ads courses, and I just started to watch. Started to watch. So I began with one courses, ended up with two courses, and then I started to watch a lot of YouTube. I was just constantly educating myself and kind of subconsciously dreaming about starting my own you know, Shopify store, most probably drop shipping, you know, because um, it was the easiest way to start at that time. And then I remember I messaged him after, I know, a week. Let's do a drop shipping together, you know? Let's do a drop shipping together. I have, an, uh, I have a dad's uh, office space, we can like go there anytime, work our asses off, build like build the Shopify store, like the whole drop shipping store live, and let's just bootstrap that drop shipping and make a lot of money. And I was like, that's it. Did you make a lot of money? So yeah, so I'm getting there. So we started to we started to do we started to do the drop shipping. It was like I, still one of the most um, I know nice nice the nicest memories I have of. Uh, basically hustling and bustling because for you to understand when majority of our 17 years old went to the city center to drink beer you know illegally we went to my dad's office space order a couple of pizzas uh pizzas um uh, and uh, basically build the shopify store so i remember there in two days we built the shop store it was like super fast of course the quality of it was mm, uh, <laughs> you gotta start start somewhere so. yeah at the same time, we selected the most saturated product in dropshipping. It was Posture Corrector. No, oh, Because, yeah, classic. several YouTubers yeah. were scaling the shit out of it. And I thought, okay, so they scaling why we can. You know, we will take the small proportion. I mean, with 1K daily revenue, I'll be fine, you know. <laughs> the others are scaling to 1 million. Okay, you can scale. I was, like, I wanted to make, I don't know, a couple, couple hundred a day and I would be fine. Uh, um, and we selected the most saturate, saturated product. But we, on the third day, we... That's it. We launched, launched it. We launched it. The, re- the the biggest problem that we faced is that we didn't have any money for the ad spend. So at first, yeah, on first day we spent hundred euros, so fifty. Uh, we split it fifty fifty on our own, and it brought zero sales. And and then basically, okay, what to do next? I mean, we we're broke right now. And I remember I had the. Um, from that, from that other business that I were doing for that, I had the PayPal, and I thought, okay, hmm. so if I connect, and my dad is kind of old-fashioned, you know, and I thought, I, I gambled at that point. I said, okay, let's connect his PayPal to the ad account, and we are gonna be definitely doing a lot of money in a week, and we will just, yeah, sort of take the aspen from him and just bring him back, you know, bring him back, and I thought. Let's do it. I, I thought, fuck it. Still, like, I mean, my dad didn't uh, know the PayPal login. So, I mean, he's old fashioned, you know. He just asked for me to transfer to the bank account. And I thought, okay, let's do it. And we started doing, we started increasing budgets. And every day, I mean, was like negative. Every day was negative. And after a week, we already spent, I don't know, a couple thousands. Uh, the row, the row, the I don't know, was 0.8 somewhere or point two like it was really bad and we were basically we were constantly losing money you know and i thought the then we went okay so facebook ads don't work 
right now because our pixel is not warm we need to buy the uh the promotion from those uh, shitty instagram pages you know not influencers but pages and we just kind of okay 100 bucks for a post let's do it boom and i remember we would take a post we will uh we would schedule the posting time so for example 9 p.m our time we were like Oh my God, this is going to be huge. That Instagram page has 100K followers. We would order pizza and we would just basically, uh, okay, post is live. Let's go to walk in the uh, outside for five minutes. And when we come back, there's going to be 10 orders. And we were just like, okay, post is live. We went outside, I don't know, walking around, hoping for the best. We came back to the office on the live view, zero sales. And it was so depressing. And I remember after two weeks, we've um, basically canceled the project. Uh, in total, we borrowed, and I still, I told that, of course, that I took the money. Uh, he said, okay, it's not good that you didn't ask before, but since you're doing business, because he's a businessman and he understands how difficult it is to start business, you just got to, like, get all the money back to me, you know? Uh, so I, we borrowed in total, I don't know, 5K or something like that. And we're broke as fuck. You know, we are broke. We don't have successful business and we need to like give, uh, uh, get back the money to my dad. And that's where the agency started. So it, I, it's kind of ironic. Um, it's kind of ironic uh, how basically, uh, I know other people just start agency because they saw, I know, Iman Gadzi courses yeah. or uh, some kind of, I don't know, youtubers because it's like sma it's so easy to make yeah. money you just basically like all, all those courses especially iman gadzi like i respect iman gadzi but that the courses that he made back at the time it was subconsciously programming those young people basically to start yes. an agency to scam people yes so yes. not to scam completely you of course mm. deliver but uh it's Those courses didn't focus on the quality of the delivery, you know? Yeah, the underlying reason was to just make money. Yeah, he would just basically, like, program to those young kids, just, you do the cold calls, you, uh, like, undercut a bit, you make a lot of money, you hire some kind of yeah. freelancer from the Pakistan to do the media buying. But it's still, it's still nice because a lot of people started yeah. from there. So, yeah. actually, we knew before that we also watched Iman Gadz and we knew, okay, so agency is one of the solutions. But for us, it was... Basically, yeah, purely to get money back to dad and at the same time to start something, you know? And at that point, we didn't have um, any type of, like, any other way, you know, to make money. And I remember, and then our, when, then, and then our agency started and uh, we were just constantly doing domestically in, in Lithuania, since we were Lithuania, we were doing in my um, parents' apartment, we would sit in the living room with the ISTIS, we would make a sheet and we will just call calling the Lithuanian businesses. The, and that part was so fun. I mean, we would yeah. meet at, I don't know, 10 a.m. And we would end in 2 p.m. So four hours of cold calling. It was kind of, it, it, the cold calling is like... Um, it's good practice, I would say. Yeah, you overcome a lot of your, you overcome, uh, you understand, first of all, that people don't bite. They always answer the call and you can actually just, uh, with nice communication, you can really start, like, call the business and you know promote yourself uh also in lithuania the cold calls are not very popular so it was like a lot of people were picking up the phone because at first we were uh we were trying to do cold calls to united states so that was different you mean you call the administrator some kind of administrator picks up the phone he uh or it would go straight to the voicemail so it was like really difficult 
I still do not do not know how they do cold calls in USA because it's so saturated, you know. Uh, and cold call is like a like a very old thing there, yeah. you know. Uh, but in Lithuania, it's not so it's not so um, uh, it's not so popular. It was at least it was not so popular. I don't know what the, what about now. We're not doing call calls right now. No, we're not. Um, but um, and yeah, and we started to do call calls. Our actually conversion rate on booking a meeting because at that time. It was pre-COVID. Doing a Zoom call was not a thing. Doing live meet was a thing. Uh, so we kind of make our way through. I mean, our conversion rate to book meetings was pretty high. At the same time, Istis, uh, Istis mom was a real like sort of a real estate agent administrator. She had several buildings, like uh, business buildings, and in those business buildings there were meeting rooms, like proper yeah, yeah. you know meeting rooms. So we would ask out to uh, book a time there. So to come up properly you know we would say yeah we work in this business building uh, this is our meeting a bunch room. of 18 year olds yeah yeah, yeah we like we would put like the nice t-shirt of course like actually the whole um uh sales meeting thing and booking calls started in late uh, late spring and early summer so it, i remember it was really hot and we actually landed our first uh, couple of clients actually my first client our first client uh was uh my current girlfriend's mom <laughs> <laughs> okay. she she was running a skincare business uh, and she is running right now a skincare business in lithuania and um but we needed money and i remember i remember the first sales pitch that we had and we like prepared wow those slides everything the 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 like the volume of information we've put the education that we have from the facebook groups from the youtube and and we landed and i remember that feeling it was like pretty awesome it was pretty awesome yeah. I, I remember we can we can do this we can do this and um but it still were quite difficult to work with lithuanian clients for a couple of reasons uh the retainers are usually at that time when you are like 18 years old it's, yeah. they're, they're pretty yeah. low and um and yeah, but uh, actually we worked in this way, I don't know, for, I could say for nine months, somewhere around that. And then we got our first big opportunity for one of the brands, uh, which actually, I think, uh, uh, basically built our uh, credibility, built yeah. our... A bit. So we the started found to, foundation for today. Yeah, foundation. We like built our foundation. And from there, we kicked off normally as a proper agency, as a, we started to hire people We because for nine months or almost a year we were just basically uh solo runners you know yeah. with together with yeah. Isis. So we yeah we rented the office space we had a very little tiny office i remember it was so cute actually just basically constantly together uh I, at that time you wanted to hustle 24 7 i remember i remember when i went to e-commerce properly and i started to i don't know get very deep into it get very like uh reading from a lot of information watch a lot of courses uh i remember i've declined everything around me actually i had difficulties with my girlfriend at the time with my friends also i've actually wanted just to be with the my laptop every minute yeah. of it so that was but that uh, right now when you like after after you got experience and you basically we kicked off the bit right now i wouldn't want to do that but at that time when you start that feeling is very very yeah. nice i mean when you when you just feel that you 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 will make it you know you I just mean, need you, to put work you, you just, just need to put work yeah you just like feel like you have a purpose you know besides yeah. just uh, doing like day-to-day -day stuff you know yeah, going yeah. out and doing the, the daily routines i think we had 
pretty different paths uh, to how we came to this point. Um, you know, you're you're a CEO. You were mostly a manager. Yeah. I came always through the performance side. Um, but I would say, for me, it did not start for the purpose of just making money. Um, for me, it was always because I play professional sports. I play tennis. It was always like I had one thing that I always wanted to be good at, yeah. like that like represented me. I would say, and I played tennis. Um, I played a lot. I was pretty good I would say at a young age but when I quit it um, because I wasn't that good at a certain age well, and, uh, it's, it's hard don't think it to be uh, to, to, to reach something with yeah, that but <laughs> it, it was not an injury it was yeah. mostly a lack of I guess mentality and talent but it, like it brought a lot of things that you know um, or learnings that I would say that you know make me a better performance marketer let's yeah. say but uh, yeah, I would say everything started when I was 15 or 16. I had uh, a classmate, uh, Tiras. I don't know if you, you know that guy. Shout out to Tiras. I think we'll br- bring him to, to the podcast. He was 16, year, 16 years old and he uh, founded his agency, Kakareku, along with Chris. And um, I was, you know, a pretty good friend of his. And when he started, I was kind of like on the sidelines, like seeing, you know, how he worked really hard, how, yeah, like, you know, at 16, they were doing things that other teenagers were not doing. Like he was waking up at 4 or 5 a.m. He would, he would just like put out his laptop during yeah. classes. And I remember like some people made fun of, him, fun of him. Like, what are you doing? Why are you waking up so early? Why are you not studying, you know? And I was like, but I really wanted to be like that. Like, you know, you're so young. You're doing something with your life. You're like doing grown-up stuff, you would say. If they, yeah, the grown-up stuff. The same thing I could recommend. I mean, I mean, when on when I was sixteen, seventeen years old, and when would I saw the same Chris, for example, he's, he was like pretty um, mature. Like. Yeah, pretty matured, and he posted a lot of about it on Instagram. He was like pushing the idea of entrepreneurship, like entrepreneur entrepreneurmanship. Yeah. I think yeah, that kind yeah. of inspired all of us. You know, like a lot of like yeah. people that even work in candy and that you know have uh, broken through at a young age. Uh, for example, David, um, you will, I think, meet, meet him someday. Um, so yeah, like I was seeing that and I, I really wanted to do something like that. And I was like learning digital marketing on and off. Um, I didn't have, I was pretty shy at that age and I was till a certain age. And like, I didn't have the courage to kind of, you know, ask for the opportunity. Um, but once I did, um, I was uh, rejected by Chris. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty, <laughs> it was such a weird, like, interview i remember he was like i came into the uh kakeroku garage yeah yeah, yeah. and he's he's like okay show me your instagram (laughs) (laughs) and he's like okay 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 and there was not a lot of photos and then he's like sell me this battery charger i'm like i'm like how how (laughs) and it was like uh okay you're like we'll we'll call you someday Okay, and so basically, on seventeen years old, he was acting like a Jordan, uh, yeah, uh, Jordan, yeah. like from the Wolf, the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me this band. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I guess I wasn't the right fit at that moment, and you know, they were a small team. Like, it's not like you know, they needed me at that time, and I, I would, I would say, it's good that they rejected me because of you know motivation and like more hunger to learn. But like again, it was uh, on and off. I had a kind of a few gigs as you know i had sort of a foundation of digital marketing Mm. i watched a few courses i had uh, one i think i worked with my dad as well um for a startup 
that was uh, not not too much uh, in depth, I would say, or not with uh, too much input. Um, then my first media buying, which was uh, with an event presenter, um, <laughs> where I was spending like five euros daily, and he was like complaining, "Oh, these copies are too long. Why are you like using the reach objective?" So it, w- it wasn't that good of an experience. But one day, um, I remember my dad sent me an ad of uh, a Lithuanian like media buyer who was pretty credible at the time. He like uh, pushed a pretty big case study who I think they raised around 5 million for Kickstarter. So it's uh, Dogonas. Yes, yes, Dogonas, like, yeah, with, uh, with Philippe Loret. Philippe Loret. The, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And he, he had like these courses and he said like, do you want to try like do you, would this be like a good opportunity? I was like, yeah, why not? Like, I should do it. And it was like a two-day event. And I remember I went on the first day and I'm like, you know, everyone is like, you know, saying what they do, like they're either doing their own business, like or helping someone. And I'm like, I work with an event presenter. I'm spending five euros a day. And he like looks at me like, wait, like, okay. And, I, and I'm, I'm like the only like young person there. I was like 17. The other people are like 25, 30, 40. Yeah. And to be honest, on the first day, I did, like, I learned, I realized how much I did not know. Like, I felt so ashamed. Like, I was sitting there like, what is he talking about? Like, what does this mean? What does that mean? I've been and in I was, when I, Actually, I've, uh, I've been in the same event. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I was so ashamed. You know, when you don't know a lot of stuff, you should, of course, ask questions to kind of learn. But in you that, so you know, that auditorium, you yeah, yeah, like, at that auditorium, like, you know, for me to ask what is a lead gen? Like, what, what is a conversion objective? Yeah. Like, and that's the problem with the young people, I would say, in Lithuania. And I, like, I've something that I have thoughts why so young people are so shy. As you said, you were the only young people, like, I mean, yeah. between, like, among the older ones who were already doing businesses and they just wanted to improve their knowledge. Because I was attending the same event, I remember. It, uh, I didn't have the realization that I do not know. Actually, I knew majority of it uh, because uh, we were, I think, uh, we were already doing uh, and we already had clients, you know. But Dogunas at that time was like really credible. He was like in Lithuania, one of the best media buyers. And I, go, and I thought, okay, so it's the advanced program. Yes, yes. And uh, we will basically take a really good knowledge from it. But I remember that I have a lot of questions. I also was really shy about it. But actually, it's nothing wrong with asking questions. Actually, course, you learn the course. most when you ask questions. And of course. Especially of course. the dumb ones. When you ask yeah. the dumb questions, you can learn a lot from it. And yeah. I don't know why Why people, I know maybe the high school whole system is just works that way that teachers usually judge you if you ask dumb questions. Yeah. I think it's like the judgmental environment in general. That's, yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's in, in Lithuania or something, as you said, in high school. But I think it's overall like if you don't know, like why why don't you know? You should know that. Why did yeah, you not exactly. study enough? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's natural at that age. I would say like at that point, you know, for me, I did not have that mindset, you know. So when I I did like after the first day, I did not want to go into the second day, but you know, we bought the ticket, so I had to. And I still think that that event also like even the rejection with Chris, like the the I don't know five euros with with the event <laughs> presenters. All of that added up, like after that courses, I realized how much I needed to learn yeah. to be, if I wanted to be where I wanted to be. And um, I started learning more, but uh, the interesting thing is, like um, 
after two weeks, uh, Dogun has posted the photo where, like, you know, all of the people, and that was on the second day where I didn't want it uh, to go. And he posted that photo, like, all of the people that, you know, participated yeah. there. And, like, one morning, I got a, I get a call from Titas, like, hey, how are you doing? Like, we need a, a junior media buyer that uh, I saw so that you, you, you saw, saw the photo. photo. Like, yeah. if I wouldn't, like, if he didn't saw the photo, I would probably, like, never be here. And when he, like, he, oh, like, wow. called me, like, my whole, it, like, I feel like at that moment, like, it was like, make it or like, you know, either I make it or I don't make it. Like, I remember this was even before Christmas and I was, and the first, he gave me like access to the ad account and, you know, it was from five euros daily to, I think like 1000 euros daily or something like that. And for me, it was like, okay, like this, this, this is serious. Like, and uh, it was Black Friday, I remember, and they were doing like 200k in revenue for me like was like what, what what is going on here you know and i was so excited to start i remember i made like a ton of mistakes like yeah but you learn the most that's the topic i mean we as he said that we uh earlier uh, after a year we got our like first proper client when the spend was like as you say 1k yes. 2k and actually then, then all that knowledge that you consume till the, because with the Lithuanian clients we were spending like two hundred euros maximum, one hundred euro a day maximum, and you cannot learn a lot of things with that low budget. Yes. But yes. when you get the chance to have, uh, like, sit behind the ad account which spends more money, you learn like a bullet. I mean, yeah. with the one week you can learn so much. Yeah. Yes, yes. I mean, yeah, you you can do a lot more tests with that kind of spend, but it's also like the responsibility of it you know yeah. like because uh again it's the client is uh also from the us and it's not lithuanian so it oh, feels yes. more like you know i guess more pressure more pressure more like international i would say something new for you yeah, yeah. definitely a lot more like <laughs> like 100 x new um and uh, i remember like teras gave me the first tasks and before he even briefed them to me like like you know really what I should do I started doing them and I like turned off performing ads like <laughs> it was it was a pretty big mess like he messaged me like wait you should not do it like this and I remember again like it was for me like okay this and then this you know because uh, I made like such a huge mistake but after that I was even more hungry like I put yep. like uh, this like, kind of paragraph okay why should I did this and why how should I do it and um, yeah from that I remember at first, I was not getting too many like opportunities as a junior media buyer, you know, because as a junior, especially if you're working on like one account, the most you can do is like set up ads and um, collect knowledge, basically, which is what I did. Yeah. Like, you know, watch courses, ask why you should do things a cert certain way. Um, but I still wanted like that extra work. And I saw that none of the people that worked there, which I think was Minnogas, uh, Maras and uh, Tiras, just the four of us, none of them knew English uh, pretty well. Like I, <laughs> I, I, like I was seeing the ad copies, I'm like, that's not, you know, native uh, US English. I'm like, okay, I can do copywriting for you. <laughs> and uh, that's how I started like doing copywriting. I remember... For um, 400 euros? I mean, no, I, I, like, I, 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 it was for absolute zero. I, <laughs> I, rem I remember I worked for the first four months, like for ab absolute zero, but I knew that, you know, if you... If you will you get were, the returns in the future. If, if yeah. you're good enough, you know, if you put in much, uh, if you put in value, like you will get, you know, something yeah. out of it. Like I did not look at it like, 
I need the money now or something like that. Like we're I was just still, like starting to build up leverage against the like. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, start to bring value with the value. Me, yeah, like for me, it was not just that. It was like the best activity that I could have done at that moment because you know yeah. ex- experience. Like yeah, it would still pay off at someday. Like, um, so it was a really I think also a big moment in in this like marketing career because uh, you know uh, it made me not just like uh, I guess. Uh, media buyer or performance but uh, also like made me think more in terms of marketing terms yeah. you know but because i started to learn how to you know how um e, i guess digital psychology works how um conversion you started, principles you started to learn marketing 101 yes like, yes i remember like i w- then when teras was like that guy who brought out like his laptop during classes then I was like doing English lessons. I remember I just pull out the laptop and write ad copies, like yeah, how, yeah. what I should like do. And then I remember at uh, at one point, um, Tiras just like you know because he was the CEO, but he was also the media buyer. He he saw that like he outsourced uh, a media buyer to other clients that we, he got, and he saw that he wasn't doing that well. And he said like, okay, I think we should do just a structure where. I'm like kind of the media bar, but it does micromanages me heavily. Yeah. And uh, the other thing that added up was the pandemic. Like uh, it just started. And uh, one is like, um, I remember the results for most clients were like this, like up just out of nowhere. You did not, you know, like let's be fair. It was not the things that we did in there like it was not you know some kind yeah, of it was like strategies a, the COVID, it was the COVID boom the COVID it was the, the you know the higher demand and uh it you know gave us confidence um it was also like more time to spend outside of like school um on marketing i remember like i did not go to online classes i was just like full day in the office like yeah. learning like strategizing and to be honest that was probably like the the, one of the best uh, times that I remember, like we were just sitting, we were just like having fun. We were just like a bunch of 18 year olds, 70 year olds. I remember we used to like wake up at 5 a.m. There was a bit pre-COVID and we went in the office because we were all from the same school. Yeah, uh, we were at office in this in at six. And since the office was pretty close to to our school, we would go like to the school at eight. During classes, we would still like kind of work. After classes, we would also like go back into the office, and it was like such a blast, you know. Like it felt like you were, I don't know, like having fun with your friends and like work, having a purpose, like you said uh, yeah, previously. Yeah, yeah, because like going to school when you're 17, it's actually hard to find purpose there, unless you, unless you want to be, I don't know, a doctor or something, and you're a little really passionate about it. But for me, I always wanted to like earn money, you know, to be a businessman or something. Yeah. But to be the businessman is super abstract, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember that when I was in school and I, when I, fa- it was like in the last uh, when, in twelfth grade, so in the last grade, in the final grade, uh, I started the business and I started to earn money, and it was so hard to basically attend the classes, prepare for the exams. I remember my preparation was just sitting on the ads manager because yes. I was like, like there was my focus, you know. There, like, there, I found purpose, and I knew that basically. If I invest money, I'll have a return. Yeah, yeah. For me to find return in the, being in the highest level of the mathematics class was high in five because where course, where will course. I? You know, it's still yeah. It builds up your, I know. Uh, it learns you yeah. to think logically and so on. But I learned that for twelve years to be yeah. logically yeah. To, to, to think logical. But for me, it was uh, the breakthrough moment. I remember. Okay, so 
the school is over i'm going to, to yeah. work as my like, ass off for me it was pretty like easy to make the choice you know like yeah that i'm not gonna probably be good at studying because i did not like have you know like e-commerce was the only thing like uh, where i thought okay if i put in effort here i could be you know um good at that thing it's interesting to me and uh, i will not like be a bartender like work at mcdonald's and uh, i would like i would probably live a pretty happy life so it was a pretty e- easy choice to me you know instead of like go to university go to you know uh yeah. business business studies and you know business studies is pretty abstract like being a businessman i think is at a young age is better than going to business studies so the best business is practice i mean yes. when you go to practice and when you actually invest money and get the return out of it and yeah. you learn the most from it you and know? there's like a lot of knowledge you know that uh, like basic like there's even hardware classes about businesses business that you can you know access online yeah like yeah. the knowledge is out there you just have to like apply it not learning but yeah basically after that my grades fell off i did not care at all i remembered parents looked at me skeptically like wait where, where are you doing like yeah, yeah, yeah. i remember because my dad is a pretty big skeptic he's like you you need a degree you will not like find a job like every every time like pessimistic. You know, he's pessimistic. as you yeah he's pessimistic about this stuff and like every time like i kind of you know uh Rose from a junior to like senior, then to another level. He's like, okay, you're not like Facebook ads will end at someday, you know. Yeah. Um, when you when you want to be a I don't know CMO, like you will need a degree because others will have. And I'm like, okay, we will see. Like you have a, one opinion, I'm I'm having like another. I'm seeing like people who are CMOs at e-commerce, like not having a degree. They're just like really hardworking and you know smart people. So. I invested like a lot of time. It was uh, a complete blast during COVID. And like fast forward, I remember it was like such a fast period of my life after I started working and like six months or like eight months forward. I was from, you know, uh, managing five euros daily. I was managing 200k a month in ad spend. Yeah. And at 18 years old, like at that moment, I, I remember some like I sat down or I was like, took my first vacation at that moment. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on like how am i here like i'm not i didn't like feel special or you know some kind of unique like i was better than others i was like like okay that's nice like why am i here yeah it was like kind of uncomprehensible but i kind of you know i knew that i worked hard and i knew that um you know i I put in the effort so yeah um, i was just kind of like grateful for the opportunity and like and that makes me not take it for granted because I remember like at other things, you know, I know, I know that a lot of luck, like kind of, you know, added up for me to be here. Um, so, you know, I have to be like grateful for this, but also like I work hard for it and, um, yeah, it, it, uh, changed, changed my life. I remember, I remember also my first vacation that I took from my own, the own, uh, earned money from my business. And it was like, uh, pretty, I think, um, one of the i could say most important times of like i don't know like periods of my life because i understood how much like how i can live after i even work harder so that i will be able to travel even more i will be able to meet even more people and i remember we actually booked um, the barcelona with the isis together we actually were sitting we were grinding our asses off we already had that client where we are where like we scaled that client to the one million revenue um in month from 
300k or something and i remember uh after quarter four uh during the march i believe so after also quarter one we booked tickets to barcelona and we had very nice time for seven days uh, actually met several people also who were doing e-commerce and just basically exchanging knowledge and i understood that wow i mean it actually just sitting on your laptop managing the budget yeah. and just basically helping for other people most people don't understand that when you're an agency business you actually change the lives of the business owners themselves yes, actually yes, like yes uh I, I will be writing uh, i will be writing and recording a video key study uh, upcoming week week about one of our clients where we scale them from 30k monthly revenue to 250k monthly revenue in three months and when I started to write my notes, I understood that, okay, so yeah, I can talk about ads manager. I can talk about, I don't know, all the low hanging fruits that I will be talking about. But the most important part is how their lives like changed yeah. in three months because yeah. you are doing 30K a month. So it's like a six, like a small six figure business. And right now, they are like a proper seven-figure business. Yeah, yeah. Over like, yeah. and they will be a couple of million yearly revenue. And they are yeah. right now like transferring their warehouse from, I don't know, from some kind of shithole to California. Yeah. You know, they're doing all the Silicon Valley type of shit, yeah. you know, and they, yeah. they have money. They are traveling across the world. And uh, that's pretty empowering for me to understand. Maybe even after three years when you maybe at some point you can start losing or a purpose of doing yeah. the same over thing. But when you find that if I will help this business owner just to scale his, you know, like brand to another level, not my life will be better, yes, yeah. but his especially, you know, so we are kind of also helping people, of yeah. course. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a like good experience, you know, once the, uh, you make, I guess the, the first scale or you, you know, help the business. Yeah. And you like you feel the positivity from the client, like he feels you know so much better. Like you get these positive messages, yeah. like it just it just like a really good feeling, you know. It's just not like oh, like I'm it gonna get. It gives you confidence. It gives you confidence. You know, it's it's like in sports when you put a lot of work in training session. Um, you put a lot of a lot of work in training session, but if you are constantly losing the matches, it's really hard, you know, to of find course, yeah. To, bu yeah. to build up that motivation to have the team spirit. Because I come from football, you know, so we are a team. You come from tennis; it's a personal, like individual sport. So, but the psychological things are the same, you know. All sports requires to be very strong mentally. Yes, and of course. for the mentality to um, to build up, you need kind of that courage, you know, that ego boost. I could say basically by winning you know of by having by yeah. by by having positive results so what i want to talk about is uh, how difficult actually this uh it was difficult for us to to have our first international client because we were like doing in lithuania you know and it's quite uh quite a hustle so basically at that time uh we like we were constantly uh getting a lot of knowledge our yeah. like the most uh I could say the most influential person for us it was David Smikochanis oh, from the course. Sugar Town. Sugar Town. So I know the who were in the commerce who are in the commerce for already three years. They already most probably know this at guy. That, David at that Mikochanis. moment, yeah, they were like the most influential people in in e-commerce yeah, in Lithuania. Yeah. In Lithuania, of course, because he's from Lithuania, and at the same time he was working in uh, like at that time really huge agency, yeah. you know, yeah, uh, yeah. and. Um, 
scaling a lot of brands to wow like to eight nine figure levels yes yes and we were like constantly consuming knowledge and building our knowledge base but the problem is not the problem just when you're going through the sales process and when you pitch you know your ideas you have to have case studies or social proof and that was the hardest part and i remember oh my god like i've actually before this podcast i've and uh i've checked my messenger where uh i would just basically write for like write for people who were looking for the facebook ad specialist or just media buyers or whatever and just try to pitch and they are constantly like provide me uh, like case studies the screenshots yeah. you know yeah. and i didn't have any screenshots i would say uh, i would uh, of course i would come up with i i knew that they want you know they want high things but i didn't have didn't have opportunity to work with like uh, high spending accounts but i know because i'm confident enough that i if i get that account i was I would perform, you know, I would perform, but it was so difficult. I, I was like, we were constantly, of course, in that chat, I w- we would basically come up with the supply that we already scaled, you know, several accounts, but I don't have screenshots due to confidentiality, NDA. I mean, I think mo- majority of the people, it's not like the honest path to go, you know, but uh, yeah. you need to like, it's really hard to get like Lithuania is like a three million you know person country. It's yeah. really difficult to uh, to 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 even uh, like to make your path to the USA, yes. for example. You yes. know to to yes. to get yes. known. So uh, I remember our first clients were purely purely through like um, sold through educational side. So our when I was talking about that brand, so Iced is basically um, that brand is international brand, but the owner is Lithuanian. And I remember, like, he personally went to a different city, like, drove several hours to meet him, and he was constantly warming him up by education. He was just constantly putting low-hanging fruits. I remember Istis would basically research the YouTube, research the Facebook, like, research all the educational sources from the newest trends of how to scale, you know, tips and tricks before the meeting. So he could went and show him and say that we would do this, this, that, and that, and that, and that. And I remember after three three meetings, he gave us... um, uh he gave us a chance for a sales meeting and then we sold him and i remember yeah with that client we worked for three months due to business related questions because they were expanding and they were expanding an in-house team so the agency um wasn't like wasn't in the need anymore as you spoke about getting the bigger budget so when we got that bigger budget we saw that sky's the limit actually sky's the limit because if like with like it build it up our we had the, our first key study yeah, you build uh, up confidence. yeah our gates our gates to the some kind of i don't know um a better sales pipeline just open up you know open yeah. up because we have credibility we can show that that we put work and we got that and actually after that land actually the candidate started the yeah. candidate started because uh, together with uh, we met chris as well and we um opened up the candy i remember when we were getting these first case studies where you know we scale a brand and we're like pretty confident when another one comes we're gonna you know break their barrier and the thing is you you know you know come in oh this setup is bad like you cannot these guarantee that. You cannot, yeah, yeah exactly but that's like a humbling you know experience when you start working with a client and you're like okay i'm launching my campaigns this is not working you know and this like you go into you know that problem solving mode you you like you know tackle different problems with different clients yeah. 
but uh, that kind of like breaks down that confidence and you know makes you humble in terms of you know in the future like yeah. of how you approach an account like you know okay based on what we're seeing like this 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 we you know learn that 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 we're gonna do this strategy and you're like you know then starting to kind of manage expectations that you were you know you're gonna be learning how these uh this for example account works and how you're gonna tackle the problems and that's i think what that's like also uh an advantage in terms of like working in an agency in terms of one brand is that you get to you know tackle different audiences different problems yeah um and you know it kind of even builds the mindset better and uh, the confidence you know uh, to higher level but helps you like maintain humbleness humbleness yeah. in terms of like okay this is bad this is bad this is also not good you know yeah so that's a really like that's the point that i've wanted to talk yeah so after that first brand that we scaled we managed to get three clients internationally all of them failed and i yes. remember that was we failed uh we got we got like they cut us loose and i remember that then that was a humble moment so basically you know that's a ro- emotional roller coaster when we got the opportunity we we've um took it we've scaled to one million you know to put an etiquette with your uh, like the label on uh on yeah. your head that, okay i've scaled the brand to one million a month but of course there was a, of course the the team of theirs already put a lot of work that was not a thing that we poorly we did yes, it you know yes, yes. the product was good the timing was good also yes. you know and we did it on the quarter four uh you know so on the actually yeah. on the quarter five on the january we remember scaled to one million yeah and uh after that i remember the confidence of wow i mean ego yeah. boost you know my yes, ego was yes. so huge but um I, I was really happy to to get those other three clients to get those opportunities yeah. and we just humbled humbled ourselves down and i remember then i think that was the point where my real entrepreneurship ment- mentality started to build that you have to be always be learning you know yes, because yes. at that time Till that one client, I was always learning. Yeah, I started to execute, and I and I when you execute and you get the returns, you can get the feeling that oh my god, so I have enough knowledge right now. Yeah. I don't need to learn you know, anymore. Yeah. But th- at that point, I remember when we after that we failed instantly. I remember okay, so knowledge actually is the key, and just putting constantly feeding your brain the information, you know. Yeah. To, uh, from which you will just basically uh, come up with the better ideas, uh, with the better tests, or just overall yeah. with better strategies. We actually talked yesterday about that. It's quite difficult for us when we have a lot of execution tasks. You know, you have a lot of I don't know, to do something to do and that and that, and then you hit some after I don't know a couple of weeks of pure execution. You hit that wall. You know, when your ideas start, you run out of ideas. Yeah, you yeah. run out of the ideas. And uh, you have several options. You can either be on the same bicycle spinning those wheels and being stuck in the same place, you know? Yeah. And uh, at that point, usually the burnouts come out, you know? You actually burn out when you're just basically in the same in the same yeah. position. You need to constantly be learning. Yeah. Constantly be learning, constantly putting information. Find uh, nice sources. I don't know. For me, it is LinkedIn, YouTube, and a uh, couple of Slack channels for the mastermind. So Foxwell Group is really nice, actually. And then books, and then books. Yeah, yeah. And also, I learned actually one thing. Getting back to like the the confidence topic, um, I think that you can like apply this not to just performance marketing, but uh, kind of life and business in general. Oh yeah. It's like uh, attributing 
knowing like where to attribute success because uh, like you know even me as a strategist um you know um there was a brand that we've you know scaled to um like i think it was 140 to like 400k it, it was also of course q4 and the thing is it was you know since i was leading the project i'm yeah. kind of like responsible like i'm the one that kind of scaled yeah. you know in terms of like how you should look at it you know in terms of responsibility what scaled it was pretty simple like in terms of like uh you know we had a really good creative director he created a simple ad it uh got much better metrics than you know um other other ads uh we just scaled up the budget it was a really you know simple method but if you apply that kind of you know ego boost that's oh, okay i'm leading this and you know i'm scaling the project when you kind of get that ego boost you could you know go down a path where you think you are right and not being as open-minded it's quite inevitable yeah uh, it's inevitable at first uh, of course after that as you say you learn from it and you just basically try to avoid that because as manager super uh it has a lot of dopamine you know you know yeah, you have a lot so it's yeah. quite hard to not get your ego inflated because you spend time there are good numbers and you're like woohoo you know yeah, i'm yeah. doing good you know i made the decision because i've sat an hour on that ad account yeah. Yeah, I think you should learn how to, you know, separate confidence from like, you know, arrogance. Confidence like, okay, yeah. I know what scales it, like instead of I know that I scaled it, you know. Yeah. For me confidence is basically by uh, for keeping yourself hungry. I I've if I of course right now I'm not working on any clients projects, like there's a team and everything, but um we started to do our internal projects and uh, when you sit like I came, I come to work with uh, behind that internal project with the mind that no matter what, I will try to make it. You know, I come with the confidence I can trash talk to people that look. I will scale. I will scale either way of it. And we are kind of for this moment, we are constantly hitting the wall. I mean, numbers are not very good, but it keeps me hungry. You know, I don't know maybe it yeah. comes from sports. Uh, maybe I don't know. Uh, that's also a different topic about. Um, about the people that come from sports to to work in agencies yeah. they... i mean i think co what confidence gives you is like uh better speed um and execution you know i think yeah and i think that uh, confidence people take calculated risks not confidence people they avoid taking risk and i think in e-commerce and especially when yes, you yes. when you take a look at the case studies like your case studies my case studies or in general case studies yeah at some point people took calculated risk yes, to scale yes, yes, to scale yes. to the to get that for example there are businesses usually where they are stuck in 200k or 300k mark because you need to you know they're trying yeah. to hit the wall and to get further you need something you know yeah. to, to risk it i don't know to yeah, risk it yeah. for uh, example i don't know increase the spend dramatically and you know wait for it so that's a, like a that's like a, a simple example usually that calculator yeah risk. it's not so Some, calculated. sometimes it works yeah sometimes it works if you're chat enough <laughs> yeah if you're chat enough but um confident people just basically are taking calculated risks yeah. the other thing think, they are learning from them i mean yeah. if they fail you got to learn 100 from it yeah i think my like transition from you know being um like lower confident and you know more confident came with the mindset like okay i probably don't know what's gonna you know scale this but i'm confident enough to kind of make the decisions um that you know are backed by research and yeah. you know i take them into test and i treat you know things as learnings like okay this did not work 
I'm not taking that as a defeat, you know, like as a yeah, that's self, a very, yeah, like self, you know, defeating thing. I take it more like, okay, this does not work. That that means, you know, audience is like not reacting to it. Why, you know, maybe it's this, 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 which gives you, you know, more testing ideas. Yeah, yeah I think uh, what what differ- differentiates the simple media buyer and the your experience performance marketer not to experience but if you want to make the shift to a bigger level is by basically as you said getting into things deeply and understanding why they didn't work to understand why they worked it's really simple you know but why they didn't work it's quite difficult to understand and usually when you're a simple media buyer for example you run a creatives testing campaign yeah. none of the creatives works you ah we need just okay. more creatives now okay or turn off the campaign uh, forget it you know yeah but the analyze it the analyze why that's where you learn the most and when you yeah. where, where, where you grow the most yeah and uh, well like the counter argument for that is uh, you know a lot of people um say that you know uh, Facebook is not that accurate audience pools because it's, you know, it's algorithmic, algorithmic thing. I, no, I noticed this like kind of an excuse for this, but uh, at least the mindset I try to keep here, um, you know, if, you know, I don't know, the click to rate is three times higher, that could show you something. And, you know, even if it's 60% accurate, it's better than it's, you know, 0% accurate. Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, you always like have to, you know, also keep in mind that, yes, it could be not accurate, but it's better to, you know, have that mindset of still thinking about like, okay, this, there could be something here and not, you know, kind of try to, I don't know, take the approach of blindly, you know, uh, yeah. making decisions. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't have any choice. I mean, yeah. what there is no perfect attribution right now in the world. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. Actually, Facebook is, uh, I don't know, Facebook got better during the quarter four a bit especially the with the acc plus i i thought i saw a lot of uh i saw a lot of um other performance marketings in the in the network that they're really happy with the facebook performance it became more sustainable uh at quarter four i talking specifically quarter three was trash like it was trash at least for me uh, that i managed clients and i remember for our clients it was also like really hard to it was not sustainable we I were mean, a lot it's, of it's, it's all i would say it's always you know context and for some, it was pretty good. Like for the one that you know, you scaled. For the one that uh, we we did, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's always uh, context. On average, um, you know, there is. A, I don't know if you guys know. There's this like common thread collective. They release like year to year, Facebook uh, metric comparisons from DTC like index. Yes, yeah. DTC index. Um, so Facebook ROAS is up. Like CPMs are down, which I think you know is the main reason. I think Facebook is just like trying to cut costs a bit to, you know, keep advertisers up as well. Like that could have, you know, ma- at least yeah, maintained. The, and you know, like Right now, a lot of competition actually, because the Google is also like performing really well for a yeah. lot of brands. TikTok, you also, actually TikTok failed. I, I thought, I saw that on the, during the Black Friday, they failed a lot. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, like a lot of advertisers weren't happy. About yes, it. yes, yes. I mean, I think a lot like TikTok has been in terms of like, how fast it would take over as an ad platform so far, like has underperformed, at least in my opinion. Oh yeah, and I think the YouTube uh, with the shorts and actually the Google, so we they are like mixing things up for the TikTok because 
a lot of users are um, going back to YouTube. A lot of creators, I mean. Yeah. And since they introduced Shorts, and Shorts algorithm is really good. I'm, yeah. I'm actually using Shorts myself, and their yes, algorithm yes. is really good. Yes. And there's no point for them to use TikTok anymore because you can have your own channel, you know, with the YouTube Shorts, and at the same time um, post uh, long-form educational content. And the thing is that Shorts algorithm is really... There are particular uh, similarities as TikTok, so it's easy to grow organically. Organic, uh, like YouTube Shorts are also organic, yes. so you can actually grow your channel and bring people to that long-form content, which is quite difficult right now, you know, to... Yes, yes. So, so yeah. But that's... We got off the topic. Yes, yes, we got yes. off the topic. Uh, so, Alex, okay, we talked about our roadmap to from the start to where we are at now and I mean it's a lot to a lot to come but what are the um, most crazy or cringe uh, thing that you've done as a media buyer so it's like a fail a mistake that we could you know uh, it you know yeah, it. yeah. Uh, everyone knows it <laughs> um, I guess my peak of the career was uh, when uh, to be short and frank I spent around two thousand dollars uh, with zero purchases on black friday creatives uh, during the summer <laughs> that was uh that was a peak moment <laughs> i remember i i, I really like i really remember the message like the client sent me it was like what the fuck with the with caps lock <laughs> we just spent one, like over 2k on black friday queries during july uh -huh. caps lock i just like woke up i see the message i'm sitting in the shower i'm like okay I gotta go to, to LinkedIn, find another agency. <laughs> like, I'm probably like, this is the end of me. It was pretty, still at a certain, st uh, like, uh, early stage of my career. And uh, yeah, I was like, throughout the day, I was like dead silent. And I remember I met uh, Aminugas at the time, who was like, he just messaged me in Slack. He's like, was this you? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> that's it that's it that's that's the end of conversation and this was also like a tipping point um again in, in my career where i was like i cannot make these kind of mistakes yeah. of course like there was a reason it wasn't like you know i was just like uh oh, fuck it i'm gonna launch you know uh black friday creatives uh out of nowhere you know during the summer but it was more you know i was managing a lot of accounts i don't want to you know make excuses but it was, it was just a lot but um i like that you know they still believed in me you know saw how much like effort i put it and were you know with that kind of empathy and after after that like um my i guess or focus were like again hungriness level like rose uh, 2x and i was working like even harder but but yeah that message i remember it was uh pretty pretty tough uh to see of course it's it's still good that we were you know scaling that yeah. client um it was not like a bad experience um so overall yeah i mean it was kind of like uh, a good learning but i will not repeat it again yeah i mean i didn't have such fails or something where i would spend... not a lot of people there. yeah yeah it's unique. but of course there were a lot of uh, like mistakes when you i don't know when you are running an agency especially at the start right now we're not doing any mistakes but no, so i mean uh, like at the type that type of mistakes i mean yeah. but back in the time during the first year of the agency and when we there like weren't a lot of systems in the place in the agency there was only one junior media buyer who was working across five accounts and setting up campaigns so that was a usual mistake for us i remember for one month this person did a lot of this type of mistakes where you would launch one client ads 
but with the other clients oh, yeah. page <laughs> so that's that a pretty classic. classic one yeah i remember we had a watch brand they we launched creatives to test and I, thanks god after one hour i just checked it because i was kind of doing doing the strategy behind the client and that those watch brands were running with the menstrual pain page so <laughs> i mean it's uh it's like those mistakes are common at least in the beginning of the agencies where i mean i don't know when people are new you do not i mean a lot of micromanagement yeah. there's like no discipline or something but uh yeah but it, but uh, i would i would like to speak about one not i would say mistake but this is when you learn that you need to plan especially plan the quarter for plan uh, like strategy so there this is was uh this was 2020 uh, our uh, would say first Black Friday, yeah, I would. It was like a first Black Friday as an agency. The client came. The client came. The German uh, client of uh, Kit Shoes, and uh, they came to us pretty fast. They came in the. Of course, we didn't have, have a choice of prepare preparing strategy early because they came during the middle of, in the middle of the November, and Istis actually our co-founder were doing um, was doing the strategy, and doing like the media buying. So at that time they were doing I don't know 30k uh, euros a month uh, in Austria and Germany, and um, I remember we need to come up with the I mean we have two choices so one is just to kind of go smooth during the Black Friday and launch 50 20 percent off and just run ads, but he wanted to do aggressive and actually we just kind of for the person uh, the lead person from the client side we messaged them look we want to run this offer buy one get one free is it good and they say yeah i think it's good there's like no i don't know no guarantee that this stock they have enough stock or something because they were pretty like their production is backed by a very big other company but uh, their supply chain that's because it's a, still a small business 30k a month like I don't know, I didn't know that it was like uh, such a low stock. But they say I think we good. Let's try, and we launched a buy one get free, and it went nuts. I mean, in one day we remember, like in yeah. one day we generated fifty k. In second day fifty k. So across the uh, Black Friday weekend we generated around two hundred k in four days for a thirty k a yeah. month brand. So you understand, in four days you generate two hundred k a month, and I remember we were like, wow, well that was easy. During January, we got 100k returns, and uh, it was pretty fucked up. And um, this is where we learned. Okay, so I mean, if the brand comes like as a, in the middle of November, do not push too hard because you can push, especially in not so saturated markets. You know, in the USA, I think we couldn't do as yeah. as this. But when there was Austria and Germany, and our CPMs yeah. were five dollars, it was like pretty easy. You know to yeah. To, to get the uh, big audience pool with that offer, especially why for was the, the returns like so high? Because they didn't have enough shoes, oh, and at sure. the same time, not only that, uh, the other reason was that uh, their return policy were their return policy was not prepared for this particular offer. So yeah. imagine uh, a mom buys uh, like uses this offer, so he get she gets one. A pair of shoes and one other for free they get it and one shoes are not like uh good for their yep. kids because they usually buy uh, bought not the same size two designs they bought one design and 
two sizes just to see which one fits for the kid and they would just basically return it so it ended up as they got the shoe for free <laughs> okay what yeah because their yeah. return policy was not like prepared for this uh, basically offer so that was like uh, at first it was euphoric to generate so much money you know in four days totally random totally yeah. unexpected it's hard to plan that kind of scale, yeah like. totally unexpected yeah uh, but after that it was pretty uh, i mean uh, not good for business so actually it ended up being worse for business so they suffered more than we gained yeah uh, i mean it's, it's a good learning but it's really hard to plan that uh, kind of stuff because you know it's not a usual case for clients you know for that to happen you ca- you always have to like double check that you know yeah the return policy well, yeah well actually i mean we're not uh you like usually like on the paper we are not responsible for the supply chain for the stock well, levels if we yeah if we ask them you know if we ask them and they say i think we good i mean we good i mean we yeah. are we do not control that but now i tend to always double check yes, to always communicate through and either and also uh, i don't know um uh, have consultations or just kind of trying to give feedback on how the business from my point of view should be run because the good business owners always listens to everybody you know always to listen to everyone they they collect feedback and then they make own their like their own decisions yes uh it's quite difficult to work with the business owners where they're very narrow-minded and they're not open-minded and when they i mean it's it's not just like business owners it's in general like in general uh, in general yeah it's it's quite it's quite difficult to work with this kind of people yeah so so this is this was the thing that i remember the most and that we from those kind of uh, from where we can you know learn a lot okay so the very last thing is like uh, do a little pitch uh, of like what's to come what are you planning to do with this uh, conversation uh, what are some like other topics that you are excited to talk about in e-commerce there's a lot of interesting people um, you know, from different uh, departments like creative, you know, copywriting, technical stuff, um, you know, that have different hobbies. So I want to like share their stories and introduce them while like giving value, you know, from yeah. um, what they know and how, you know, what their life path was. Same thing here, I could say. I mean, it's not going to be something, I you know, very commercial or straightforward as a sales pitch or something. But uh, the po- like the start of the podcast for me is... The same thing about the discipline. I want to um, make uh, to be disciplined in terms of content creation. Uh, so that's the one thing because, like, I've faced this issue too many times last year, and uh, this year since I kind of kicked, uh, like, went off from being in the day-to-day management of our agency because I've put the people responsible in the in those in those parts, and they're doing actually a great job. <laughs> so. Uh, I want to focus on the agency marketing and uh, like having the podcast and being disciplined and consistent in the, in the socials. In the podcast, what to what to expect, of course. So there's gonna be interesting people with different stories and just basically those stories. I believe, I hope will aspire the viewers. Also, there's gonna be, of course, some educational content and technical fundamentals. You know, talking about the e-commerce trends. Of course. Uh, actually, as I said earlier uh in this episode i will be trying to record a video case study about the how we scaled the brand uh in three months from almost zero like from six figures brand to seven figures brand 
and now we're going up. I won't go deep as my last case study very deep into the strategies and then how the campaign structures or none of that shit. But uh, basically, lowest hanging fruits and what is the most important parts when you want to bootstrap from six figures to seven figures. And yeah, I will try to uh, not only domestically, like live in the studio, we'll try to speak with the international entrepreneurs, you know, from the United States, from the Europe, from the even Asia to speak about uh, to speak about e-commerce and build relationships, you know, together. Because when we do the podcast, especially with the uh, new people, you kind of build a relationship so, yes. and, and build your network. Sure. So that's about it. And uh, the most important power to expect, I think, I don't know, to be consistent from our side. We need to be consistent from our side uh, doing content on a weekly basis. Yes, that's about it. Yeah, sounds good.